0: Good morning, good evening, and good afternoon. I hope everyone here has had a wonderful week. I know I have. And I gotta say, it has been a very interesting week in the world of video games, especially with Activision and Blizzard taking two L's this week. Heck, I don't even think they've had a good win, besides the fact that Microsoft is trying to buy them. But I digress. That's for later on in this episode, we're going to start off like we always do with comics, with Batman and Joker Deadly Duo issue number 7, and I gotta say, they did a fantastic job with the ending of this run, and I hope there's a lot more where that came from. Anyway, let's go ahead and get started. So, of course, with issue number 7, Batman and the Joker face off. Batman and Joker landing blow for blow before Batman's on top beating the heck out of the Joker. Almost killing him where Joker is, of course, mocking him for not doing so. And then they end up being surrounded by the mutants. Harley jumps in away from Jim Gordon and shoots some of them. Batman uses his time to detonate the explosives he had set up at the beginning of the entrance of the tunnel. He says he basically planned for this being a last resort and floods the entire area that they're in. Everyone tries to get to higher ground, but Amanda grabs onto Batman and then disappears. Batman is now riding on one of the pillars, tells Joker to grab his hand. But Joker says he has everything he needs, revealing that he has the key. A huge wave washes them away and Batman pushes, trying to find higher ground. But the pillar begins to break, and as he begins to fall, Gordon grabs his arm and brings him back to where he is. And Batman says they need to run. They begin to run and are shot up from the ground uh, as the water pressure gets big. If you want a visual example, think of Die Hard 3. Anyway, Gordon gets much needed medical attention, and Batman goes to the bank where a break-in occurred... ...where it's revealed that the key opened a lockbox where it had proof of Batman's identity, which of course is Bruce Wayne, and now it's in the hands of the Joker. Batman initiates a protocol that in the event of any villain learning his secret identity, a terrorist threat would be made to Wayne Enterprises, allowing for police to protect his employees and people be on high alert, since anyone could be a target. And since it's Joker, anyone can really be a target, the janitor, uh, some technician, or whatever. Sometime passes and Batman tracks down where the Joker might be and it's shown to be a computer where Joker reveals that he is engaged to Harley because of everything he put her through and he reveals that it was either going to be a rock on her finger or his jewels in her hand and I don't think he meant that in a fun way. Anyway, he talks about how he didn't want to know Batman's secret because it's the Joker and to him, Batman is his life and learning his secret identity would ruin everything. After he says this, he basically says how Amanda threatened to tell him Batman's secret, and the only way to stop that from happening was to help her. And once he got it, he destroyed the evidence. And he also kills the only other people from the bank who knew what was in that box. And he kills them on the screen where Batman is nowhere near, and it's not revealed whether or not this is in real time or it's recorded. Anyway, he reveals that he shot Amanda when she grabbed Batman and seemingly killing her. He says his goodbyes and rides off. More time passes and Bruce appoints Gordon and Barbara as head chairs to the Wayne Foundation and he says he's found some peace. And it's revealed that Amanda is actually alive and sees what Bruce is doing, and when she apparently scratched him, she saw that he actually felt remorse for her and her children. And because of this, she felt like she could leave Bruce alone, that he's actually felt bad for her. And honestly, I guess that's all she wanted. And she's going after the Joker because of his betrayal. So again, really, really great issue, and that's where it ends. I don't know if they're going to continue this, but I really hope they do, because this was a fantastic run, and it would really be a shame if they just ended it without any continuation, especially since Amanda is still alive. But anyway, like I said, fantastic issue, can't wait to see if they do anything with another issue or a sequel. But that's it for DC, moving on to Marvel, and my god... Predator issue number three. I did not think an issue could make me angry and you'll find out why. But anyway, it basically takes off where we left off with the Predator about to finish Theta, the chick in her own Predator outfit, after cutting off her arm when it's attacked by other alien creatures. And again, these are not exomorphs. This isn't Alien vs Predator. Just wanted to point that out again. Anyway, Alan, the big British guy, goes over and helps her up and brings her back to the other group. Meanwhile, Kiyoshi is still flying the ship and has put coordinates for Earth, showing that it would take almost a year to get there. But before he can confirm, it's revealed that, and I'm sorry if I mispronounce the name, Aja is with him. She points a gun at his head and tells him to land. He says she's making a big mistake because where they originally were going to go, the company that's there doesn't do charity and would likely experiment on them because of the fact that some of them had been in stasis for decades instead of taking them home. But she says it's a risk she's willing to take, especially saving the people who just came back to save them. Anyway, Theda and Alan meet with the others And they begin to talk about plan B when the ship comes back and picks them up. Kiyoshi is put into lockup with basically saying that he was doing it for the good of the people. Meanwhile, back on with the others... Theta is put onto a uh, medical bench and where her partner is doing a medical procedure to stop the bleeding and replace her arm with a robotic one. He asks Alan and Omar to help out and tell Sandy, which is the ship's AI, to give Omar access to some of the medical supplies. After they're done, they basically have to wait to see if her body accepts the robotic arm, which is kind of interesting. Similar to, I guess, someone getting a organ transplant and seeing if the body will reject that. And honestly, I actually like that concept because it's not like, oh, let me go ahead and get a metal arm, robotic arm. The body actually has to accept it. I think that is very creative and very different. Anyway, uh, after uh, they're done doing the procedure, uh, the husband and wife duo, forgive me, I do not remember their names, that was a part of OWL, the organization that was in the Predators movie where they were basically researching the Predators and how to stop them, explore the ship, and come across the Predator gear that they basically had collected over the years. And that's Theta and her partner. They go to a room where they see the Predators' hunting routes. But here's the thing, they see that Earth is next, but they don't know if this is something that was recent where they're heading to Earth right now or in the past, but they decide they need to act. Meanwhile, Omar and Alan talk to Theta's partner, and basically he says that they've been hunting predators for years and that she's been doing it much longer. And the fact that she has killed 31, yes, 31 predators, which is impressive which explains why she has so much of their gear. Anyway, they mention how they didn't know they were going to run into the group and that saving them wasn't their mission, but Alan and Omar are grateful that they did. Meanwhile, Aja is looking after Kiyoshi when she's knocked out by the couple who releases Kiyoshi and says that they need to get the ship back to Earth and the comic ends. And I gotta say, why? Why would you do that? That's the thing that's ticking me off. You got saved by this person. You found information. And it's been 40 years. You don't think that Earth would have had this information already? I mean, if Earthlings are taking this to deep space, doing all this research, you don't think they would have known about some of the stuff predators have been doing? I mean, that makes absolutely no sense. And you could have just asked Theta or her partner, hey, is this old information? Is this new information? Does Earth know about this? Instead of taking things into your own hands and risking everybody's life. I just, like I said, this issue kind of ticked me off because of the amount of stupidity that was happening. Again, good issue. I mean, really good issue. It just really ticked me off. And I'm very, very curious to see What happens is issue number four, and I hope this couple dies. I really do. Anyway, that's it for the Predator issue. Moving on to Red Goblin issue number four. And I gotta say, the comic starts with a security guard whose name everyone gets wrong, but his name is actually Jerry, is making his way through Oscorp, puts a bug into the security system, and eventually gets to the Golden Glider suit. It's revealed that he's actually working for Hammerhead. And that he owes a lot of money for, apparently, losses in poker. I have no idea how this dude racked up millions in losses in poker, but, I mean, gambling is an addiction. (laughs) Anyway, he's basically told if he doesn't get the suit to him in 20 minutes, he will owe interest, which nobody wants to hear at all. He says he needs to cut the power to get to the suit... Meanwhile, Normie is in Norman's office and Norman throws a pumpkin bomb at Normie when Rascal reacts, shielding Normie and grabs onto Norman. God, this is going to be interesting the way I have to say Normie and Norman. Anyway, it's revealed that the pumpkin bomb was actually empty and Norman wanted to confirm that Normie has a symbiote. He tells Normie that he is concerned and that the symbiotes are parasites Going back to when he had the carnage suit. He convinces Normie to separate them. Normie follows Norman to the machine. When he asks his grandfather if Rascal is going to be okay. If he's going to be harmed. He is told no. He says he's going to give the suit to Reed Richards. To do some experiments. And to research how basically advanced the symbiote is. Normie says that he believes him. And basically talks about what he's learned about the symbiotes that they're basically reflections of the user and the reason that his form is a goblin is basically because he's turning into an Osborne, which is very, very interesting the way he phrased that. And I think actually very powerful considering the history that the Osborns have with the goblin. Anyway, Norman says that the suits are parasites, that they will do anything and say anything to keep their bond with the host. Once inside, the machine turns on and both of them are in great pain. When separated, Normie is taken out of the machine by his grandfather, and Normie notices that Rascal is in so much pain. It's revealed that Norman had no intentions of giving the symbiote to Reed, but his intention is to kill it. Normie struggles to free Rascal, but his grandfather holds him steady, and with all the advancements he's made to himself, Normie is not breaking out. Anyway, he's basically told he will understand when he is older. Meanwhile, Jerry cuts the power to the entire building, which weakens the machine. Norman asks if Rascal has any electrical powers, but Rascal breaks free and attacks Norman, pushing him through a wall, and they both fall from the top floor. He basically calls the glider to come save him, but which it's very interesting that he does this because it begs the question, why didn't he do that earlier when he was in front of the goblin king anyway again begs the question but jerry who is putting on the suit flies forward but is stopped in front of normie he asks uh of course normie's the one who's asking why he's in his grandfather's suit, and he says he's having a hard time operating it when he accidentally unleashes monster sensor bombs. He apologizes, and Normie says that he it's not accepted. Rascal now bonded with Norman, gets back to the top of the building, eats the bombs, detaches from Norman, and goes back to Normie. He asks if the symbiote knew it was fireproof before eating the bombs, but... But he basically told Normie to tell Norman that it was a risk he was willing to take. Normie tells his grandfather that he is leaving and protecting Rascal from him. Norman threatens to tell his mother and Normie mentions that she wouldn't appreciate the part where Norman put him in a dangerous machine which would probably destroy any relationship he has with his daughter-in-law because basically they're already on thin ice with everything that happened in the Spencer run of Spider-Man. And for him to be cut off from his family is something that Norman definitely doesn't want to happen. Jerry mentions to Norman that Norman seems like a good kid while taking off the suit. A bunch of securities come in and tackle Jerry and Norman mentions that he is a good kid. And Jerry's going to tell him who basically sent him to steal the suit. And that he is extremely lucky that the security guards are asking him and not him himself. And the comic ends. And I gotta say... Norman is a dick. (laughs) There is no denying that. Even with all his sins washed away, the fact that he tried to kill Rascal and the fact that he lied to his grandson was not the smartest move. Honestly, it kind of reminds me of something that the goblin would do. So the fact that he's still able to do stuff like this makes me think that there's still a goblin within Osborne and that it's waiting to be unleashed, even with the sins washed away. So I'm very excited to see where this goes, and what will happen when Normie and his grandfather meet again. Maybe they'll fight this time, which would make for an interesting issue. But anyway, that's it for comics, moving on to TV shows. And for TV shows, we got some bad news for all you Archer fans. It has been revealed That Archer is sadly going to be ending with its upcoming season. And I can't believe it's ending. I mean, they've been on the air for 14 years. Heck, I think I was in middle school when the show premiered. So for it to be ending is insane. And this show has been absolutely wild. And while, yes, there were some ups and downs, especially with the seasons when Archer was in the coma, not my favorite time period, but it did have some good laughs, the show has been entertaining and has been an amazing part of a lot of our lives. And if you're wondering which episode is my favorite, I gotta go with the breast cancer one. That was hilarious. And honestly, in my opinion, the best episode of the entire series. But if you have another one, Let me know in the comments or let me know in an email which ones you think is the best episode. Anyway, that's it for TV shows moving on to movies. And I got to say, this week was very interesting considering we got a teaser for Five Nights at Freddy's. And if it looks very interesting... And the one thing that's pretty cool about this is it takes place, I'm guessing, during the first game. It's not really revealed because, of course, it's a teaser, but, of course, you have the whole camera room like you had in the first game. I don't know if they're going to be implementing some stuff from their most recent game to kind of give it more of a life and more horror. But I'm guessing it's going to be more of a horror game than it's going to be an action because, honestly, you really don't have any weapons in any of the games. And if the dude starts fighting back, it's probably going to digress. But anyway, I'm very happy that after 10 years since the first game came out, we're finally getting a movie. I honestly thought we were going to get a TV show considering how much lore I've been told that is in these games. I didn't know that was that much lore, but apparently there is. Hopefully the game movie is good and it proves that video game movies can work if you do it right. Especially with The Last of Us and Super Mario that has proven to the world that video game movies can work and can be super successful. Anyway, moving on, the full trailer for The Haunted Mansion has released, and of course we know the movie's coming out in July. It looks really cool. I'm excited for how scary this movie is actually going to be, and wondering if it's going to skid the lines on what PG-13 is, and honestly with the cast that's been casted in this movie, especially Danny DeVito... I'm excited because honestly, Danny DeVito is amazing. But anyway, going back to talking about video game movies, Super Mario is now available to purchase digitally. So if you haven't seen the movie yet and you don't want to go to the theaters, now you're able to watch it in your home. And I hope you do because it's amazing. I already pre-ordered the Steelbook from Best Buy. And I can't wait to get it. Another movie that you can watch digitally that is now actually streaming as well is Dungeons and Dragons. And you're able to watch that on Paramount+. Plus. And if you didn't get to see it in theaters, would definitely recommend giving it a chance. Because it is a really good movie. And if you are a big Dungeons and Dragons fan, you're going to love it. Anyway, uh, moving on. Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 trailer has released. And I gotta say... It looks like it's going to be the darkest Mission Impossible movie yet. Considering that it's a two-parter, I can only imagine the, I don't know, the drop-off, the plot twist that is either going to make us depressed or make us more excited to see the next one. And Ethan faces a new nemesis named Gabriel. And apparently he has a weapon that will shape the future. So basically every Mission Impossible movie. But I always enjoy a new Mission Impossible movie since they come out every few years and they just top each other. And you get to ask yourself, what crazy stunt will Tom Cruise do next? Like I said, can't wait for this one. And with part two coming out next year, just makes it more exciting. And one thing that's definitely more exciting is that apparently we're getting a movie called The Creator, which looks like an actual original movie for once. And this stars John David Washington. And he's slowly becoming one of my favorite actors because of how well he does. And it's basically about how AI and humans have been fighting. And John's character plays an ex-Special Forces character who is basically tasked with killing the Creator, an advanced AI, but finds out that it's a kid. And now, it's basically a battle of morality as many people begin to die. And it really looks like it's going to be something else. One thing that's pretty cool is the fact that it reunites Garth Edwards and Chris Waltz. White. I cannot pronounce that name. But if you're wondering who the heck those two are, they wrote and directed Rogue One. Considering that is probably one of the best newest Star Wars films to date you know if this movie is going to be dark. Because if you remember watching Rogue One, there wasn't really a happy ending for any of the main characters. They all died. So I can only imagine how heartthrobbing this is going to be. Not to mention they gave us the Vader scene. So I can only imagine how they're going to top that off. Anyway, I'm very excited to see this movie. And considering how dark it looks, ooh, it's definitely going to be a good one. Anyway, next, I wanted to talk about Fast X. And I gotta say, I came into watching this movie thinking that it was going to be okay. Because I saw Fast 9 earlier that day, which is a movie I really couldn't care less about. Fast 9 was eh. I mean, them going into space in a car? Really? I know they're supposed to be over the top, but I think that was just pushing it. But I gotta say... Fast 10 was actually a lot better than I expected. Jason Momoa plays such a great villain. He's very charismatic and he's just crazy. And you know what he kind of reminded me of? If you guys remember the 2004 series, The Batman, he reminds me so much of that version of the Joker. And honestly, he proves he can play a pretty, well, like, demented Joker. And of course, this is going to be a non-spoiler, But one thing I did like was how dark the movie was. It wasn't another, oh, everybody's saving the day, all of that. It was just showing what happens when these guys can lose and how they lose. And of course, you have a bunch of the characters that were in the previous movies come in and they're only there for a short time. And those are the people that aren't in the main group. But of course, you have so many Fast and Furious characters. You can only do them one at a time or only for a short period because there's so many that are still alive. Anyway, like I said, it's definitely a good movie. Personally, I think it's better than the past three Fast and Furious movies have been. And I'm actually excited to see what the next one does because it's been revealed that this is the first one in a trilogy. Because why not? Let's just keep on driving until we hit that brick wall. But again, like I said, I would definitely recommend this movie. I'd give it a 7 out of 10. And that's being generous for a Fast and Furious movie. And there is one after credit. So if you are waiting until like there's maybe something at the end, as soon as you see a credit scene, that's it. You can leave. Anyway, that's it for movies moving on to video games. And I told you that Activision and Blizzard were not having a good year. And this is why Overwatch 2 executive producer has announced that they're not going to be releasing and have canceled the long-awaited PvE. And this was just crazy to hear because if you guys remember, that was one of the biggest reasons they were making a sequel. Do you guys remember, like, before Overwatch 2 release, they were releasing trailers, they were talking about PvE, how, basically, these new key factors were gonna switch it up from the old Overwatch, basically, gameplay, how we were gonna get some new lore, and just, it's just crazy. They apparently didn't release it because it wouldn't be held to the Blizzard quality, but considering the hell they've been in the past couple years with games being delayed, with all the sexual harassment they've been accused of. It's, I don't, I don't understand. What is Blizzard quality? Because it nothing has been Blizzard quality in a long time. And like I said, you've been promising fans this. When Overwatch 2 released and none of the PvE was there, you guys said, oh, we're releasing it. Just give us some time. And now you're not. So, it's insane, it's sad, and it absolutely brings up the point. Why release Overwatch 2? The only good thing that came from this is the fact that Overwatch became free. That is the only good thing to come out of this. But, again, like I said in the beginning, they're just taking the L's, and another L they took, which actually ticked off a lot of fans, was how Activision killed SM2. Now, if you don't know what that was... You can actually look it up. They've actually made videos. This was a fan-made COD game. And it would have all the old maps, everything that everyone has been asking for, being able to pick the maps, good matchmaking, and a bunch of other stuff. And this has been a game that fans and previous devs have been working on for years to give the fans what they wanted, and Activation just killed it. Which is insane. Because if you think about it, and I find this funny, someone brought this up, that if this would have been better, better received, had a higher play count than Call of Duty's Modern Warfare in Warzone 2, it would have made Activision look bad. And from the way this game was going, that's exactly what it was going to do. So like I said, Activision Blizzard had been taking a couple L's, and I have a theory on why, which we're going to talk about later. Moving on, something that I never expected... I honestly didn't expect to happen, but here we are. Nicholas Cage is going to be on Dead by Daylight. And here's the thing. I have absolutely no idea if he's going to be a survivor or a monster. Considering it's Nicolas Cage, he can be both. And if he's a monster, that would be hilarious. But like I said, it's something I didn't expect, but I'm here for it. Anyway, a uh, Fortnite Just introduced rank matches. And if you're surprised that it took this long, so am I. But here's the thing. They are kind of starting this off on a rough bit. Because when it comes to no build, you can only rank match with duos. While the other one where you have to like, it's like no build and build. They have solos, duos, and squad. If you're wondering why I didn't say trios... Because they took trios out altogether. Why? I don't understand. I, mostly the time, I basically play trios because I only had two other friends to play with. And I'm really not a big fan of playing with randoms. They suck. A lot of times they don't have a mic. And they get you killed. I was playing with a dude the other day. Didn't have a mic. Got me killed because this dude kept going into places. And I had to save his butt a couple times. And you know why I had to save his butt a couple times? Because I knew that everybody else had their partner and I was not going to be able to basically take out two people by myself, especially since I didn't have any good guns. But it's insane that they took away Trios. I'm actually sad about that, but who knows? Maybe they'll get enough complaints to bring it back. We'll see what happens. I mean, it's Fortnite. I'll give them a chance. Uh, Anyway, moving on, Mortal Kombat 1 trailer has released. And wow, I'm actually excited about this. Now, while I'm not happy about another reboot, I'm actually excited to see how much of a reboot this is going to be. Because what? It's been 10 ye- Oh my god, how long has it been since 9? Has it been 10 years? I think it's been 10 years. Maybe it is time for another reboot. Anyway, um, like I was saying, instead of Raiden, I, he's seemingly gone, which makes sense considering what happened in the previous game. But Liu Kang is the new god of fire and should be taking Raiden's place, which will make things very interesting. And I don't know how much of a change a lot of the realms have had, especially since this is an entirely new universe, but considering uh, Shang Tsung is back, it will make for some interesting history, because I don't know how much he remembers, and considering the rivalry they've had in the previous life, I don't know if that's going to carry over. Now, one thing that's really cool is that this game is coming out this year. It's coming out in September, and I'm really hoping for an amazing story. But here's the other thing it's expensive. The base game is $70, which makes sense for a next gen game. But here's the kicker the one above that, the premium, is $110. And of course, it comes with the combat pack. You're able to play the game early. Get access to a lot of the uh, guest characters early. But $110, that's $50 extra. No, my math is bad. $40 extra. I think that's a little insane. Uh, I'm playing the base game and getting the combat pack separately. But here are some of the guest characters. Well, here's three that were leaked, apparently, that aren't previous, of course, uh, Mortal Kombat characters. There's Omni-Man. Peacemaker, and Homelander. And I gotta say, those are excellent picks. For one, Peacemaker. That's already a Warner Brothers property, so that's an easy thing to do. But Omni-Man and Homelander, that is gonna be pretty cool. And I really hope that they get uh, Anthony Starr and, of course, J.K. Simmons to voice their people because that would be really good. And I really hope the interactions will be excellent Epic because Omni-Man criticizing Homelander, Homelander criticizing Omni-Man and Peacemaker just in the middle. Ooh, that's going to be really fun. Excited to see it. But again, I'm going to be purchasing the combat pack separately. Cause again, $110. That is insane. Kudos to everyone else buying that, but I'm not, I'm not doing that. And honestly, it should be cheaper, especially since I don't know, we're playing the game digitally. Make them prices cheaper. You don't have to pay for the disc or shipping. Yeesh. Anyway, another game that I say yeesh for, but it's not because of the price, it's because of how bad it looks, and that's Gollum. They just had a trailer showing us behind the scenes for the game. Wow. I didn't think the game could look worse, but here's the thing I didn't know. They're using Unreal Engine, and it still looks like a game that should have been back In the 2003 era, with the PS2, because that's how the game looks. That's exactly the graphics that this game is proceeding to give us. And it's just bad. Honestly, I can't wait for someone to play it, do a walkthrough, and just show us how bad this game is. If this game turns out to be good, I will be shocked. I will definitely be shocked. But we'll see what happens. Anyway, a game that actually looks interesting... And the art style looks creative. It's something called Stray Gods. And this is going to be an RP musical game. With interactive musical lyrics. Where you're basically singing. And your character is Grace. And she's tasked to solve the murder of. uh, I I know I'm going to pronounce this name wrong. Calliope. Who is the muse of poetry and elegance. In a world where the Greek mythology exists. And if you're wondering what the heck a muse is, it's basically a goddess. Uh, She is one of the goddesses of the muse, which is basically expressions and all that stuff. But it also the game has Troy Baker and Laura Bailey. And honestly, I can't wait to see the gameplay for this. Because a musical RP game might actually be pretty well done. I, I don't think there's any game similar to that. And we already saw how much music can inspire video game gameplay with hi-fi flow. So who knows? Maybe this will be good or maybe this will be an experiment. Either way, I'm excited to see it. Uh, one thing I'm excited to see and something I didn't think was going to happen. I know I previously talked about layers of fear coming back. And being remade for Unreal Engine 5. But the thing that I did not expect. That it's going to be available on Mac. Yes. Apple product. With Apple Silicon taking full advantage of their M series chipsets and metalwork. And honestly this is an interesting step for Apple. Considering that their tech and their products aren't known for playing video games of that high standard. Especially on Unreal Engine. I mean, when you talk about like PC gaming or gaming on a computer, Apple is the butt of every gamer joke because of how bad they run on them. And if they're taking a step into the direction of being able to game on a MacBook, hey, I'm curious to see where they go because honestly, say what you want about Apple. They are very innovative, so they might give us something that we're not expecting. I'm excited for it and I can't wait to see what they do. Speaking of things I didn't expect, Nintendo Switch is giving us a Game Boy Advance expansion with three new games coming May 26th, and one of them I actually played, which was Super Mario Advanced. I remember playing this when I was younger, and I'm talking about like 24 years ago, tw- not 24, uh, 22 years ago, on my Game Boy Advance, whenever I was heading to New York or doing something, and this is a game I never got to beat. Which is something that's definitely going to change. And we're getting other games such as Super Mario World Super Mario Advance 2. And Yoshi's Island Super Mario Advance 3. Which I didn't know was part of a series. Stuff you learn 20 something years later. Again I'm super excited to play these games. Especially since it's going to bring so much nostalgia. And I definitely have a bone to pick with the first game. Anyway, uh, going back to what I previously said about Dead by Daylight, they have released a new monster that travels very similar to the Demogorgon. And it's similarly a robot plant fusion. And it has a range attack, which is very interesting. We're also getting a survivor as well. But the killer is the most interesting part about this. And the killer's name is called the Singularity. And this expansion is going to be called End Transmission. So excited to see what they're going to do. And I'm going to be honest. These guys, the devs behind Dead by Daylight, are very creative when it comes to making a killer. And if they ever do like another expansion moving on from video games, I honestly think they would do better with a TV series than a movie. And something like a high-budget TV series, like they did for The Last of Us, The Boys. Something to expand the lore, and we can just watch it episodically and have it expanded instead of having to basically watch a two-hour movie waiting a couple years for the next one. I think they would actually do it justice, especially with how many monsters they have and how much lore to expand. I'm excited, and honestly, if they ever make a sequel to Dead by Daylight... I'm going to be the first in line because they've been making this game for years. I think about a, maybe a decade now. I'm not too sure about that. But they keep updating with all these cool monsters. And I'm excited for it. And the game is still very solid. Anyway, speaking of games that were very solid, I have finally beat Jedi Survivor. And I got to say, this game was really Really good. I wouldn't be surprised if this was a great contender for Game of the Year. Because the story was depressing. And don't get me wrong. It's kind of good when the story is depressing. Kind of reminiscent of Empire Strikes Back. Because you can have the hero always win. Because how does that make for an interesting story? You got to have them lose. And that's basically what this game is. Empire Strikes Back. And the gameplay was really great. I didn't really use the other stances. I tried to use the blaster stance. Wasn't for me. I had a friend who loved the dual blade. I preferred the original stances. The single blade and the double bladed. Say I'm lazy all you want. I preferred them. And honestly, when it came to fighting like the bosses, they came in handy a lot more than the other ones did. Just saying, those stances just complemented my playstyle. They may have not complemented yours, but hey, we have five styles to choose from. And whoever can master the cross guard, kudos to you, because those boss battles, you needed to run, be fast paced. If you're able to do that with the cross guard, like I said, kudos to you. You have more skill than I ever will. But honestly it was fun playing the game the side missions were really fun and one of the side missions that i did continuously was a lot of the bounty missions because that was a good way to earn skill points and it was really good to keep you on your toes and it expanded the story a little bit of course it was a side story nothing to do with the main story but still fun i did like exploring every nook and canny which was really good Because this game actually has dungeons and they're kind of hidden within the world. I accidentally got into a dungeon by mistake thinking that there was going to be a extra stim uh, carton there where I'll be able to gain it and boost my levels. Ended up in a dungeon and got a lot of skill points because of that. Actually helped me later in the game, especially later in the game, because when you get far enough, you're going to need to use all your skills just to get part of them. And just giving you a heads up, my preferred force that I upgraded was definitely Confusion, because that helped me a lot. And of course, force push, force pull, but Confusion was definitely my go-to. But anyway, definitely a great game. The ending was something else, and the boss battles were somewhat creative. Of course, you had some repetitions. Some of them were just mean, I mean, they just spammed everything. But again, I, this is a non-spoiler. Just prepare yourself for some BS. But, I mean, that's with every game. I definitely would rank this a 10 out of 10. So, definitely a really great game. Great story. And I can't wait to see what the next one holds. Because the next one is going to be the end of the trilogy. And it will probably reveal what happens to Cal Kestis. I hope it's a good ending. I really do. But honestly, when does a Jedi have a good ending? Anyway, that's it for video games, moving on to nerd theories. And like I said previously, I'm going to be talking about Activision and Blizzard. Because honestly, the, I think the reason why they shut down SM2, why they're not releasing PVE mode for Overwatch 2, is because they suffered more loss than what we originally thought after the scandal They were put through the last couple years with the losses of employees, with everything that's been going on. I think they were honestly making it seem a lot smaller than it actually was. I think it was a lot bigger because you had so many people walking out, so many people quitting their jobs. I actually think that the people they lost were the people that were the threshold, the web that put everything together. They were the actual talent. And the fact that Activision and Blizzard is lashing out, canceling any type of mode that would make them look bad, especially with SM2. Because honestly, I actually think that SM2 would have put Warzone 2 and Modern Warfare 2 to shame. Because let's be honest, Warzone 2 has been suffering with a lot of player loss. A lot of people aren't playing Warzone 2 anymore, including myself yeah sure you'll have people who are like oh i'm always playing warzone 2 but if you look a lot of the streamers they've moved on they're not playing warzone 2 like they used to a lot of the game modes are taking people off especially since they're not adding the stuff we want like how i don't know how about map selection give us the choice to choose between the maps how hard is that that's what sm2 was gonna give us And like I said, and I think the reason everything is coming so slow or the fact that a lot of the new DLC is lazy is because, again, I think they suffered more than they actually are willing to admit. I mean, look at Overwatch 2. It's basically Overwatch 1 with some new skins, some little stuff here and there. Because they don't have the manpower. They don't have the creativity to do anything. The only good news that they've actually had... Was Microsoft wanting to buy them? And at this point, with how hurt Activision Blizzard is, I think that's the only way for them to survive. Maybe another revamp. Maybe hiring some fresh blood, fresh new eyes to revive a lot of their series. But I don't think that's going to happen unless Microsoft steps in. And even then, if they step in, Microsoft is going to own a huge chunk of the gaming community with that Activision Blizzard And that's if, that's if they get through the UK and the EU. But honestly, that's, I think, again, that's my theory on why they basically shut down SM2 and basically announced that Overwatch 2 isn't getting PVE mode. Now, again, you might disagree. You might have other opinions on why that's happening. That's just my theory. And until it's proven fact, it will remain a theory. It will remain a hypothesis. But yeah, like I said, I think those are the reasons. Anyway, that's it for Nerd Theories. Moving on to current events and Jack Black. Jack Black has done it again with his new song. And it's amazing. And if you haven't heard it, definitely recommend watching the music video. It is called I Don't Play Video Games Anymore. And it's really great. The animation's fun. He mentions a lot of the recent video games and he does it in a fun way in his own Jack Black style. And I really think that writing Peaches and performing that has revamped him, wanting him to do a lot more music. And honestly, kudos to him because Tenacious D is actually a pretty funny band. They got some really, really unique songs. And if you haven't listened to them or watched the movie, definitely recommend it. Heck, I recommend watching a lot of Jack Black movies especially high school, uh, no, not high school, School of Rock. Definitely a really good one. Anyway, that's it for current events, and that's it for this week's episode. I hope you guys had a good one, and next week is going to be my last episode for a couple weeks because I'm actually going on vacation during the week of June 1st. So basically that Sunday and the Sunday after that. I'm going to be on vacation. I'm going to be exploring the seas of Alaska. So I wanted to give you the guys that heads up if you don't see an episode after next week. But anyway, that's it for today's episode. Hope you guys enjoyed. Sayonara. See you later. And have a good one. Goodbye.